0: amen come on you can do better than that give a neighbor a hug or something amen let's pray guys as we get to it tonight father we love you we thank you we bless you we honor you we glorify you We thank you for the precious privilege you give us to honor you through learning and growing and maturing through the word of god and especially as we try best to be disciples that bear fruit and so we ask that in the time of sharing tonight that you would once again uh, allow us to grow uh, challenged, stretched so that we can give you all that we are this is our prayer in Jesus name amen hug two or three people beside you tell them I'm glad you're with us tonight glad you're with us tonight amen, hug them tight it's cold outside, amen when it's that cold you need some warmth and so I want to do that tonight all right, won't be long before you tonight. It's not a long message tonight. It's not long, um, but hopefully it'll be helpful um, as we're continuing our series on bearing fruit. Has it been helpful? I hope it has been. Um, I hope that it has been challenging. Um, discipleship is not easy. And, um, and so we hope that what we've kind of going over uh, really kind of pushes us to reevaluate our own personal walks. I mean, that's, that's in essence an important part of the journey is that you recognize uh, your own kind of walks with it. So by the way of, of, of review, this is, the, um, this is our fourth week. And so we talked about uh, how it all started, how important evangelism is and how significant that is. And it's our job to make sure we grow God's church. We then talked about the cost of discipleship when he said, deny yourself, take up the cross and what follow him. That there was precursors uh, to the process of getting to that place where uh, we're supposed to be in concert and following um, Christ. And then last week we talked about hanging with the teacher and we kind of uh, looked at Jesus's, um, the way he was rocking and rolling with his disciples and what that looks like, all right? Uh, so, by the way, of us, um, um, of a review, let me just ask a question. How many people, we kind of talked about uh, hanging with the teacher last week? And how many think it's easy um, to hang with Jesus? Raise your hand if you believe that. It's easy. How many don't believe it's easy to hang with Jesus? kind of hard. Why would you say it's hard just by way of just trying to understand it? Y'all the first one to kind of get it right this week. This is the third Bible study I done taught. Because most super spiritual people, oh, it's easy walking with Jesus. It is easy. How many know it's hard, right? It's, you know, and, and to put it in context, think about the disciples who were with him physically had a hard time. I mean, they walked with him. They saw stuff we didn't even see with our eyes. We believe with our spirit. And, um, and I want to challenge that because really today is part two of what I started last week. I talked about hanging with the teacher last week, but I want to push it further because we're at what many would consider a distinct um, disadvantage than the early apostles. Why? Because they had the physical manifestation of the presence of Jesus. They walked with him, they saw him, they supped with him, they they were able to navigate and see life with that. But we don't have that same privilege. So then, for us who do not have that same privilege, how then can we hang with the teacher? How then can we follow this rabbi, go with his teachings, try to believe and follow the way he walks? And that's really what I want to push today, because I want to give us the secret sauce behind how we are to do that. If we don't have, uh, quote unquote, the physical presence of Jesus... How can we be more like him in trying to figure that out, all right? So um, I don't have a long lesson. You'll probably spend a little more time discussing tonight, Um, but I really want to kind of hammer home that thought, all right? So let's get into it. Uh, I need you to really think again tonight. I'm going to kind of push you a little bit, uh, and I want you to think through some things tonight, all right? So let's start. Number one. To learn to be a disciple of Jesus is to hang with Jesus, to learn his way. We spent a lot of time about that, this whole concept of when he called himself rabbi, this great teacher, right? And we kind of talked about the different ways that is manifested and expressed, how Jesus chose people to follow after him. It wasn't necessarily the best uh, or the brightest, but people that could have this quote-unquote commitment and loyalty and fidelity to Jesus. But Jesus said some things that's interesting when we get to study his ministry because I make the controversial claim tonight, and I hope you receive what I'm saying because I may say a few controversial things tonight. And the first thing I would suggest that's probably going to be controversial is that I believe, according to scripture, that Jesus needed help being Jesus. That sounds odd, right? But let me prove my point tonight. I, I prove it through scripture. Luke 4 and 18. This is when Jesus was making the, um, it was really his coming out party is where he announced uh, his mission and mandate. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. Listen what he said. This is Jesus quoting Isaiah. And he says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed there's a couple things in there that i think is significant when jesus makes this declaration he talks about being anointed um being endowed if you will receiving power to do something acts chapter 10 verse 38 echoes that same sentiments if you read acts chapter 10 verse 38 it uses that same vernacular and it takes it a little further with it because what does it say how god anointed jesus of nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and how we went about doing good and curing all who were under the tyranny of the devil because God was with him. Once again, as we look at that opening portion there, it says how God anointed Jesus. Y'all see that? Now, what makes it interesting and why I make the claim that Jesus needed help being Jesus is that even Jesus admits That he needed help. He needed something. He needed an anointing. He needed a spirit to once again manifest what he was called to do. His assignment was null and void if he didn't have help. And here's the reality, my brothers and sisters, and this is my simple aim tonight. This is the simple thesis, the simple directive I'm going to give you tonight. If Jesus needed help being Jesus, we need help following Jesus. And that help comes to us in the person and form of the Holy Spirit. That's why, number two, the work of Jesus, the man, was achieved through the enabling of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is important. It's significant. It's interesting that when we begin to think through it, and oftentimes we struggle, and I love teaching on the Spirit because I think it is so significant, and I do believe that oftentimes it is misunderstood and mischaracterized in the contemporary church. We don't really understand the functionality of the Spirit. We oftentimes have deduced it to certain things that make you do stuff better. But that is not, in essence, just what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit has a work and has a mission. And I want to share most of that tonight. And hopefully in the conversation that you have with one another, you'll take it even further. It's interesting to know that Jesus, we kind of talked about this, how Jesus defined and classified himself. One of the classification he gave in Scripture was he called himself the Son of Man. You read that quite often in the Gospels. He'll he'll refer to himself as the son of man. That that word son of man, Ben Adam, is is in Hebrew or literally translated that phrase son of man. What does that mean? There's one portion where he lifts it up. It's in Mark chapter 8 verse 31. And he says this, Then he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes to be killed and rise after three days. Whenever we see Jesus referencing son of man, he is really talking about the humanity of himself. Because we understand the duality for which Jesus lived in. He was fully human. He was fully divine. And he talks about the son of man. And he talks about it in the context of Mark chapter 8 verse 31 about through his humanity, he has to suffer. He's going to struggle. He's going to be inflicted with pain. And so the question is raised with his affinity and his understanding of his humanity, how he has to struggle. He begins to tell us that the only way he can survive the struggle is he has to have something be strong for him in the midst of the struggle. And this presence, this abiding force, this spirit, if you will, is what he makes the promise to those who follow after him that just like I got help in the struggle, you're going to have help in the struggle. Now, here's my second controversial claim, that I also, make the, I also make the declaration tonight that not only did Jesus need help being Jesus, but also, I also, when we read scripture and we survey it, that perhaps it is evident to us that Jesus did not intend for his disciples to be dependent upon him. Let me push it further. In other words, what I'm submitting for us tonight is he wanted them to learn to depend upon the same empowerment that guided his life. If you always notice, Jesus, especially as we get to the latter portion of his earthly ministry, he was quick to tell them, listen, guys, I ain't going to be with you long. Learn this lesson. I'm not going to be with you long. Get it right now, guys, because I ain't going to be with you long. And they always missed it. They never really kind of could grasp it, right? They never could understand what he was trying to say. But in essence, what Jesus was saying, I don't need you hooked on my presence. I need you hooked on the spirit that's going to remind you of my presence. Because for what Jesus was trying to do was, once again, everything was a, was a walking, talking class. That's why discipleship is difficult and why most of us struggle is because a lot of what discipleship is is caught, not taught. It's not just a grade. Like, discipleship's not a test that you fill out every day and then you see if God gives you the right grade at the end of the day. It's not that kind of way. It is a way of life. And that is really by following his mission, Mishnah, M I S H N A H, which in essence is their thinking, their thoughts, their ways, their lifestyle. It's, it's really trying to follow in the footsteps that literally you begin to try to figure out how am I doing exactly what? he would want me to do. And the only way that happens, the only way we can ever follow in that, because once again, we didn't walk with Jesus. We didn't have the advantage of the apostles of that day. So what does he tell us to do? What we have to do is, number three, disciples have to hang with the teacher by yielding to the Holy Spirit. Yielding. Yielding is an interesting term, if I was to ask you. What is yielding? How would you define yielding in your mind? Slow down. What else? Submitting. What else? Huh? To relinquish control. Now, when I see the word, I'm telling you what I think of. I'm thinking of a traffic sign. The yield sign. Now, in essence, according to the law, it's supposed to be where you slow down. Now, most of y'all don't slow down. You might as well not even be there, right? But think about, in essence, what the yield sign suggests to us. The yield sign is typically at a crossroads, and it's typically not on all sides. Typically what happens is the yield sign or physician at a crossroads to let the person who is coming upon the yield sign, to let them know they need to be careful proceeding. Why? Because in that essence or in that instance, they do not have the right of way that what i must understand when i see the yield sign is what i'm simply knowing to myself is that i got to be careful because i don't have the right away in this situation to yield means i understand there's someone or something else that has the better way or has the right away i wish i had time to push that and that's that's what yielding to the spirit is is realizing i could go but there's someone that has the right away I could press through now. It could cause an accident. So I must trust, watch this, that someone else has the right of way. And for many of us, that's what the Holy Spirit operates like. His Spirit, it's not going to force you, right? It's not going to push you. I'm going to get to some other kind of deep theological things today perhaps you can think through. But it's interesting to understand that, that it means to once again, I am trusting that someone else has a better way than me that the Spirit helps me to embrace the fact that I can't do this by myself. Now, I know that ain't much for most of y'all because y'all are so saved, sanctified, and y'all make all the right decisions every aspect of your life. And I am envious of each and every one of you, y'all. But can I tell you, I am grateful that a God that knows everything about me realizes that Goodman needs help living life. Because I need help. I know I'm the only one. I know it's hard to admit that. I know you don't want people to, because you, you got all your education and you got, you, 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 you so smart. But at the end of the day, one thing that I am so impressed with about relationship with God is that God loves us so much. Think about this whole notion. God loves us so much that he knew we messed up, gave us a way out, and then gave us a way to live a life that still honors and glorifies him. And this power of the Spirit is what we begin to understand is an essential part of discipleship. Matter of fact, think about it. I pushed you a little bit last week. Let me push you a little bit further this week. When the disciples became and do with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, they were able to do great things in spite of not being physically in the presence of Jesus. Now think about it. We kind of talked about and discussed it a little bit on last week. But just think about it, man. When Jesus was around, the disciples didn't really make the best decisions. They were not the most formidable team. We rarely see them do miracles. Matter of fact, no miracles in the Gospels were done by the disciples. Every turn, they were making mistakes, misunderstanding his teachings. They were just getting it all wrong. I mean, they were telling people to leave. I mean, people were bringing kids to Jesus. They were like, man, he is busy. I mean, it was just all kind of stuff going on. At his most pressing time, they couldn't even stay awake, they were slumbering. Then they got so scared they rocked out when he was on a cross. I mean they just could not get it right in the gospels. But then when he leaves and they in the acts of the apostles. Man they healing people. I mean I mean they are, they are They're enduring torment. What happened? The spirit. The spirit endowed them, grew them, matured them. And then gave them something that they needed to continue this walk. Matter of fact, let me give you this. God came to indwell these disciples and furnished them with the necessary power to accomplish the work that Jesus had burdened their hearts to do. Let me put a pin here and just submit to you. Listen, the spirit can't make you do something God didn't create you to do. You know, sometimes we assume that the spirit is supposed to give me these superhuman powers that whatever I wish I want to do, the spirit. No, if you ain't been created to do it, the spirit is not going to allow you to do it. That's why we got to be careful and, and be so in tune with the creator that we know how God created us. Because one of the worst things we can do is pine for something that God didn't create us to do. I see it all the time in ministry so I hear people that want to preach like certain individuals or sing like certain individuals and I'll be like "Yo, first of all be comfortable in you. There's something unique God gave you that the spirit will help you do and most of the times you miss your uniqueness trying to be like somebody else and no matter how hard you try that spirit is not going to let you be a copycat of someone else. So the Spirit's there. The role of the Spirit is to help them with the necessary power to accomplish the work that Jesus had burdened their hearts to do. John chapter 14, verse 16 through 17 is an interesting piece. Those of you who study scriptures, especially the book of John, realize it's the teens of John. It's perhaps some of the most intimate conversations in scriptures. It's with Jesus and disciples in what is considered some of the last moments that he has with them before he goes to the cross. Anybody knows anything, if you ever spent last moments with anybody, those last conversations mean a lot. I still remember uh, the last few conversations with my grandfather, especially two days before he passed, just talking with him at at the hospital. Those three hours, I can still hear his voice and hear his thoughts because that was literally his last will and testament that he was sharing. And in essence, John 14 gives us that kind of idea. Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's getting ready to prepare them for his departure. matter of fact, John 14 opens. If you go to any funeral, we always read John 14 because it simply opens this. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me. But how could he say that? How could Jesus, knowing what Jesus knew, that in less than 24 hours, they'll have to experience the worst pain they will ever know. The thing they had put their heart and soul in was going to be hanging from a cross. How could he tell them, don't let your heart be troubled? You got to keep reading John 14 because he gives them the help, the solace, and the comfort that will be with them through their difficult time. John 14, 16 through 17 says this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you, watch this, forever. He's the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. If I had time tonight, I will admit to you, I I oftentimes... In reading this text um, and perplexed because once again Jesus is talking to them beforehand he has not yet died he has not been buried three days and not yet been resurrected to this point they don't know any idea they have no inkling of the spirit remember these were Jews there was really no concept of them for the spirit matter of fact it was hard enough grasping Jesus As a son of God, because according to their own Jewish beliefs, there was only one God, singularity. What makes Christianity so different is that we don't just believe in singularity. We believe in the three head part of God. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. But up until that point, they didn't really have no context of this. So I'm always intrigued when reading John 14, 16, 17, because he speaks to them as if, listen, you don't know him now, but you know him as if to say listen there's someone coming and when you get it you will know what it is mm. Mm. you won't need a class for it you'll know it maybe hard to you won't be able to totally grasp everything but you're going to know what he said because he remains with you and will be in you that's why it's it's important number 4 that's why the Greek word for comforter is parakletos. I love that. Um, that word counselor, comforter, Jesus throws that around. If, if anything, I appreciate that because it gives us, in essence, the functionality of each of the Godhead. God the Father, creator. God the Son, redeemer. God the Spirit, sustainer or comforter. I love how he puts that. I love how Jesus gives us that word comforter. That word parakalitos is derived from the word para, P-A-R-A, meaning beside, and kaleo, K-A-L-E-O, meaning to call. One way we can derive that parakalitos, one way we can fashion that, is that it means one called alongside to help. gives us the idea that the Spirit's job is to be Beside us to help para matter of fact if you get real sick you ought to thank God for a paramedic If you ever fall out of a plane you ought to thank God for a parachute These are things that help and the is is the one that comes beside you to help So on one hand we see him as this support system Right but it also can be utilized to suggest a person who acts on behalf of another, counsel or for the defense. It's, it also gives us the idea of someone who knows your limitations. It's almost like you hire an attorney, someone that speaks on your behalf. That's why even though we run to Romans 8 and 28, for we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God one of the most powerful verses is the one preceding Romans 8:28 Romans 8:27 for it says for it knows what to say for us when we don't know what to say now i'm grateful because there are many times i don't know what to say to god but i have someone who is so intimately intertwined in god's destiny for my life that even when I don't know what's going on and I have no words to try to put in place to God, it'll start talking to God on my behalf. It takes the groanings and moanings and communicates to God things that I have a hard time even saying to myself. I love that. Matter of fact, that Greek word that is translated comforter is masculine, it's interesting. Which means if we, if we believe that, and which I do, the Holy Spirit is more than just the power, it's a divine person. It's a divine person. Let me pause here because I, I asked this question Tuesday, I didn't ask it at noonday. Because going into this kind of thorny theological conundrum struggle. How many struggle explaining the Trinity? Because that's important. You know how to explain the Trinity. How do we explain the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, one God, three expressions, three forms? Anybody struggle with that? What's your struggle? Why? I'm just asking. Um, I guess I don't know from, from one point. To the one point from the next. All right, let me give you an easy one. This is the most elementary way I can explain the Trinity to you. And the different functionalities and the essence for which it is. So remember, it's God the Father, creator. God the Son, redeemer. God the Spirit, sustainer. Now, most people struggle because it's hard to think of it, three entities, but one thing. The best, most natural way I can give the explanation, and this is as as elementary as I can make it, is water is water. Water is water, but it can be in three forms. It can be solid ice. It can be liquid. And it can be vapor. All of them are water, just expressed three different ways. It's it's the most basic. I'm sorry if it's that's beneath your intellectual capacity tonight. I'm sorry. I wish I had something deeper for you but that's the easiest way when i when i try to explain the trinity the easiest way i can explain it is that god the father the creator god the son redeemer god the spirit sustainer and the best way to give us a practical example of how something can be won and be expressed three ways is water okay i want to pause there because i wanted to make sure because when we start talking about the holy spirit the holy spirit is not an it It's a person, right? Matter of fact, when we go back to John 14, verse 16 through 17, the first relationship that the Holy Spirit would have with the disciples, watch this, would be that of an abiding guess, which means here's the promise that Jesus gave. If you missed it, there's a word in Acts and John chapter 14, 16 through 17, that you got to make sure you remember. And it's one word that gives all the impact for me is the word forever. John 14, 16. Let me refresh you. And I will ask the Father, He will give you another counselor or comforter to be with you forever. So, this abiding guest, which means to take a permanent residence in the life of a disciple, means that when I have the Spirit, I have it forever. It's not something that I can pick up, it's not a job. I, I don't have a spirit eight to five. I don't have the spirit just when I show up to church. That what gives the spirit power in my lives is I recognize it's something I can't get rid of. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. And why that is significant, because John 14, 26 says, But the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. We're going to get to the nuts and bolts in a second. But this is the promise of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus tells them. He said, listen, here's why you can rest and not let your heart be troubled. This is why, even though there are going to be some moments that's going to be tense and tough, and you're going to be thinking, man, what would Jesus do? And I'm struggling because I'm trying to remember this Bible verse. and I'm trying to remember this thing. Here's the thing. The Holy Spirit has been promised to teach us what Jesus taught and remind us of everything Jesus said. It gives the picture of when things come up, you're not smart enough to remember, he'll tell you. He'll outline it for you. It's like having a permanent cheat part. It's almost like on a test. And you got someone standing beside you, yeah, the answer is C. The answer is B. Right? God gave us the ultimate cheat system, which is the spirit. You know what I'm saying? So, Reggie, you good? You need to go out, take your phone out? You good? (laughs) Jesus on the main line, man. That's the spirit. What did it tell you? It just said something, didn't it? Hallelujah. All right. So that brings it up. So his main role, once again, is to give us that, to help us we don't know we're not going we don't have the cognitive ability to know everything but he's going to help us in that walk. That's why number 5 tells us the Holy Spirit is the interpreter of the mystery of the person of Jesus. Here's the truth. This is all like what we said last week. The Holy Spirit has one role, one job. And his one job is that his sharply defined commission of service in exclusive relation to the purpose and work of Christ. The Spirit's sole assignment is to once again make you, mold you, remind you of the work and the mission of Jesus Christ. Louise M. Martinez asserts in his book, True Devotion to the Holy Spirit. He says this, the Holy Spirit comes down in order to reproduce Jesus mystically in the church and to renew in her across the centuries, the mysteries of his life. Almost seems to suggest to us is that there's always something, someone who's always pointing us back to Jesus. And that's the spirit's role in the church. It's the spirit's role in our lives. It's to point us back to Jesus. Matter of fact, the coming comforter, according to what Jesus said in Scripture, was simply this, was to speak, convince, testify, guide, show things to come, and to glorify Christ. Let me give you those again, just in case you want to write those down. The coming comforter was to speak, convince, Testify, guide, show things to come, and glorify Christ. The abiding presence. And purpose of the Holy Spirit is essential and important for discipleship. Next week, I'm going to give you a heads up. Next week, I have to, um, we're going to start right at 7. And I'm going to start teaching at 7. Because I have to preach down the street. Um, so I'm going I'm to teach at 7. I'm, next week, so we're, we're jumping right into it. And I'm teaching on obedience next week. Because one of the things we do struggle with is obedience. So come, because I didn't want to miss a lesson, but I got to preach down the street. So I'm going to literally be teaching and then going down the street to preach. So um, we start right at 7. We'll do all the extra stuff afterwards. Um, but what does that mean? So here's the final thing for this, and then I will start, I'll take questions, and then we'll, we'll discuss. You hang with the teacher by allowing the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to dwell and abide permanently within us and living obediently in accordance with the teachings of the Holy Spirit. The main thing I want you to get tonight is simply this, is that it all depends. There is no way we can do this discipleship walk without the Spirit. Period, point blank, our chief aim is is, God, I need to make sure I have the Spirit leading me, guiding me along this way. Okay? That's the push of it. Okay? That's the second part. That, That clarifies how we can hang with the teacher, Jesus. All right? All right, listen up. We got three questions. I really want y'all to spend more time. I was going, it's more discussion-based tonight. Um, those of you watching us view, uh, via a live stream, listen, y'all can come in, comment, please, if you will. We love the interaction with you guys. Share with us. Go over it with us. And we hope that it's helpful for you in the process of this. So you have three questions. I want y'all to group up, uh, and we'll spend some time making sure we discuss it. Now, let me go and just warn you, question one is a trick question. Because it sounds easy on the onset. Number one, can you have a relationship with God without the Holy Spirit? Don't answer right now. Talk about it. And then we'll, we'll talk through it, okay? And the second one, how should the indwelling Holy Spirit affect our daily lives? And then thirdly, can you recall a time when the Holy Spirit enabled you? All right, so I want you to group up. Talk amongst yourselves. Uh, let's discuss dialogue. You have some time tonight to do that. And uh, then we'll push it and we'll take some, some questions. Uh, for that and uh, if you're on on live stream you can also send questions we would love to hear some of the dialogue and discussions that you would as well alright go ahead discuss guys thank you you. alright so you had three questions let's kind of go over the first one not going to be exhausted but I would love to hear some of the thoughts that came out can you have a relationship with the whole with God without the Holy Spirit who says yes who says no who says you Gotta have the Holy Spirit to have a relationship. Yeah. Okay. I gotta spook you all myself, that's your question. Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you why, let me let me refresh this. Reason why, because I think we have to define relationship. Because once again the Holy Spirit is to help us live. But I would have to make the argument if your relationship with God is based on obligation and just salvation, not necessarily discipleship. You don't need a spirit for that. You can make that argument. You could. Define relationship. You know, we we, we make relationships different. Um, And so it it was, I wanted to parse that a little bit because I do think that sometimes um, we've put, you know, one singular kind of perspective on it. But relationship with God can be parsed into different ways because not everybody has the same relationship with God or even desires the same relationship with God. You know, some people just like him to be savior, but let me live my life. You know, there's some who would, who would, who would submit to that. Then, then there's others who is, is, is a sold out total commitment, you know, and for that level of, of relationship, you need the spirit. You cannot do it by yourself. So just kind of parsing it. I just thought it was a unique, and it was, you know, sometimes we read stuff and it, you know, it, it's, um. It's a little more in-depth when you think through it. You know, hopefully I'm trying to challenge y'all to be thinkers, you know, think through things, all right? So either way, whichever one it was, there's no right or wrong to that. Just really your perspective and how you define what relationship is. All right, number two, how should the indwelling Holy Spirit affect our daily lives? I heard some good conversation. How should it affect our daily lives? Yes. Pushing us closer to God, walking closer to God. What else? Directing us, okay. Guiding us. Encouraging, that's a good one. That's a good one. Making smart choices. Okay. What else was it? Conviction. Everybody, that's what I'm talking about. I knew somebody was going to say it. Everywhere. Every Bible study I've taught this week, that was the word conviction. Just even hearing that word, be like conviction. What does conviction mean? He's answering. Go ahead. Okay, kind of a pushing, okay. When y'all think of the word conviction, and, and I love it because I think that is whenever we think about it is and oftentimes I hear that word probably more than any other word when it talks about the Holy Spirit. And the question was very I really just was thinking through it, it just me kind of being weird thinking through it. When does conviction come? I mean, the interesting thing about conviction, a lot of times it don't come to after. You know, after, you know. A lot of times you get conviction before, but there are a lot of times you don't get the conviction, you know. And, and then let's be honest, a lot of times it ain't conviction, it's remorse. Yeah, you know. So I think a lot of times what we define as conviction is remorse. Like, oh, I shouldn't have done that, right? You know, like, <laughs> like mm, probably was a bad idea, right? And. Um, but that's it, and here's the thing about it, and y'all probably, I heard a lot of great discussion about it. You know, the Holy Spirit is not something that's going to force you to do anything. It makes strong spiritual suggestions, but it's not going to force you to do anything. And sometimes if we're not careful, that's why I always tell people, I do think, and hopefully my prayer for us, and it's one prayer that I pray for myself personally, is that we will learn to grow in the discipline of the Spirit. Just like with any other gift, you gotta work on it. Because if you're not if you're not careful, the spirit could be in us, but we can be so we can we can have other things have our ear that cause us not to follow the spirit. And you also gotta be careful for those that come disguised as the spirit. So our scripture always makes the claim, you know, try the Spirit, by the Spirit, which has always been an interesting text to me. Um, because how are you going to try something with something that you ain't really got right yourself, right? And many times, and I'm done with this one, many times we force the Spirit, we want the Spirit to say what we want it to say. So we create moments and, and circumstances to confirm what we want the Spirit to say. That's how we pick and choose things and, you know, because there's, you know, there's, there could be, there could be, and I I don't have time to parse it tonight, but just something to think about. Um, Because there's a, there could be a distinct difference between your desire and his direction. If that makes sense. And sometimes those don't always necessarily kind of line up because once again, um, we got to be careful because, once again, we have been given this human prokertude. And, and so our thoughts and things that we desire, when in essence, God's direction trumps our desires, that makes sense. But then ultimately, his direction leads us to even greater desires, which don't have a lot more time to deal with that. Here's the third one. Can you recall a time when the Holy Spirit enabled you, endowed you, empowered you? Anybody? Give us your spooky story. We want to hear it. Y'all not going to answer? At work. What happened at work? You were going to say something and the spirit shut you up. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the spirit. Like, listen, honestly, a lot of people should be happy we got the spirit in us because there'll be a whole lot of bad things we would say. Amen. Right? uh uh-huh. Okay, man begging for money. And uh, I said no. You told him no. I, I, I don't have any money. I was lying. You was lying. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't the spirit, was it, I hope? Uh, the lie wasn't the spirit. Okay. I, on my way to my car, just as I was getting into my car, you know, I said to myself, well, you know, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. You need to really do better. Whatever this guy, whatever mm-hmm. he's going to do with that's, that's not up to you. So I went back. And you gave him something. I gave him something. Okay. You felt convicted. He was... Huh? He was convicted. That's conviction. Because you lied. I get it. Don't feel bad. You ain't all by yourself. Huh? You ain't the only one. I, you know, it's... it's, it's, it's and, and here's the thing. And the reason I think that is so significant is that I wish that we would grow to have an appreciation for the small ways the spirit guides us you know oftentimes we always try to you know we want the big stuff right and, but man the small ways the spirit guides us is the miracle of the spirit is that it it that stuff that may not seem big now can end up being huge down the line There's, There's a concept called butterfly effect. I'm not sure if you ever heard of it. Well, they say on one side of the world, if a butterfly flaps its wings and it causes a tsunami on the other side, That, that there are no small instances. And I don't know about you, but every time I look back over my life, seemingly inconsequential or irrelevant decisions, things, honestly, that I didn't think about but just did, end up bringing fruit later in my life. And it wasn't always a big thing. It, was, it could have been a small little something that in the moment of the day that didn't seem like a big thing. But then maybe months or years down the line, it was a critical move or chance encounter that just kind of lined up. That's how God works. Like, like many times, that's why we should, never, we should always be in a posture of praising God. Because he'd been working and orchestrating stuff long before you even acknowledged it. Like he knew the point you see. See, the thing about God, which is why when we yield to the Spirit, and this is my final thought for tonight, is God has the hindsight and foresight that we don't have. So he knows where he wants us to be. So he's already orchestrating because he sees what? From end to beginning. Where we're living beginning to end. So what may seem like an inconse- inconsequential thing, right? God already had factored it in your narrative to push you where he wanted you to be. Because sometimes to get you to go right, he has to make you go left. And it'd be little stuff that, you know, um, maybe this week the fast is over. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, End of yesterday. But maybe, maybe in a time of reflection, and this is just something for you if you want to do it in time of reflection. When was the last time you gave God praise for the little things? Things you ain't even really even comprehend that you ain't even think was that big of a deal. But it was just a moment of really submitting and and surrendering to his will. I just think it's it's something to really think about. All right. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We love you. And it's our desire to be more like Jesus. And we recognize in the finality of who we are, the finiteness of of our humanity that we will never get it right by ourselves so Lord we thank you for the gift of the spirit that leads us and guides us that allows us to mature and to grow into to make the right steps according to your will and according to your way and so we thank you for the empowerment of the spirit the parakletos that comes to us in our times of need thank you for the abiding presence that is always with us Lord, we thank you because we recognize that we can't do it ourselves Thank you for being good enough to us to realize that it's not on our own will, but in order for us to really get it right, you send us someone that will help us get it right. So Lord, our prayer is that we be spirit-filled because spirit-filled always brings about fruit. I thank you for the Holy Spirit, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, not just in the church corporately, but in us individually. And let it always remind us of the writings, the teachings, and the life of Jesus Christ. Because that is our chief aim as a disciple, is to be more like him. So, God, you have complete reign and rule in our lives. And, God, we pray that we grow in the discipline of the spirit, to exercise walking in the spirit. Because we understand that's what gives honor to you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. Amen. Thank you.